As we've studied together, I've been going through the book of Proverbs, but I won't be there this morning. The Lord really put something else in my heart, and I need to speak about that. And so next week we'll be back in Proverbs. We'll be speaking about the sluggard, our attitude towards work. And so feel free to come along, and uh, we'll see what the Lord has to say to every single one of us. Um, And so today we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, and the first three verses in chapter 12. And so I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Let's just pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we come to the time in our worship service where we open your word. And we want to hear what you have to say to us through a fallible man. But Lord, we know that your word is unchanging. And it's given to us as the breathed out Word of God. And so, Lord, as we open the pages of Scripture, may we look at what God is saying to us. Do your work in every single one of us. We know your Spirit works in every individual in a different way. But do your work in us now, we pray. Open our hearts before you. Make us soft and pliable before you so that your spirit can change us. We ask this now in your precious name. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. So they say it's the unknown author, but Apostle Paul speaking. And um, he starts with the word, therefore, we're in the middle of a conversation. I can't go there, but... I'll try and bring you up to speed a little bit with the book of Hebrews. Let's just read from verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I want to introduce you to two women that have made a big impact on my life. And I acknowledge my wife here immediately, but she's not the one I'm going to be speaking about now. Sorry, dear. First one is my mother. I went to spend some time with my mum. She's turning 80, end of this month. And I had to work through with her, what do you do when your short-term memory crashes and it's just not functioning anymore? How do you work through that? And I'm sure she's not the only one here. There are others here who have the same issues and perhaps others. But how do we practically work through the implications of severe short-term memory loss. She's a beautiful Christian woman. She loves the Lord. She's been serving the Lord her whole life. She brought up six boys and survived. She used to be a nurse way back in her life. And she brought us up in the fear of the Lord and to love the Lord, all of us. And because she loves the Lord, even though I'm her son, she's my sister in Christ. 
So how am I, her brother in Christ, how do I support my mum when she's struggling in her life? Because it's a struggle. She hates not being able to remember things. How does she overcome these hurdles in life? How can I get alongside her? The other woman that made a severe impact on my life, I didn't know before this trip back to South Africa. I was taking my mum for a bit of a walk, as we always do. We go count the rabbits at the school near her. And believe me, every time I go back, there are more rabbits. And on the prompting of the moment, and I use that in quotation marks, I said to her, let's just go and walk along this way for today. And so we did. And as we were two minutes into the walk, along came an African woman with a child on her back. And immediately I could see this, something wasn't right. She was very pale and as if she could hardly walk anymore. So I stopped her. I said, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not. And she started crying. And it turns out that she had come from a different area in South Africa. Her husband had left her. Three kids. She had one on her back, two with her, with her mother looking after her. She hadn't found work for over a month and a half. And she was at wit's end. And as she came struggling down that path, she could hardly walk. She didn't have any more energy. How do I assist this woman? When I started speaking to her, uh, as she was coming through her tears, and as I said, look, I'll give you a little bit of money to help, because I didn't have much cash on me. I was about to depart the country again. But I said, come with me. I'll see what we can do. She started bursting in tears again, and she said, the Lord bless you. And I said, do you know that Lord? She said, yes, I know Jesus. I said to her, well, if you know Jesus, you're my sister in Christ, because I know him. And so I must help you. And she started crying again. It's a big cry. I'll come back to her again. How do I assist my sister in Christ? She's overcoming hurdles in her life. How do I get alongside her? There's so much need in that country. We have no idea in this country what poverty is. I don't care what the politicians say. No idea. Go to India, go to Africa, you'll know what poverty is. How do I keep my sister encouraged in her walk in life? How? I'm only a guy who's now in New Zealand, I've only got limited resources. How? You see, the Bible tells us about this picture today from the book of Hebrews. And it's a picture of the Christian life. It's a picture of a race that we have to run. And I'm sure you've heard the picture of the race so many times. But I ask you this morning, don't switch off. Listen to what God is saying to us. Because every single one of us, if you're a believer, you're involved in this race. No one's sitting in the stands. We're all somewhere on the track. I well remember athletics. It might not look like it now, but... <clears throat> I used to be a good athlete. 100 meter sprints, that was my number. And um, I well remember going through the pain of preparation. Our coach had us up and down the hills in mornings and evenings, up and down hills, up and down grandstands, running up and down trying to get us fit, trying to get our mental attitudes right. I well remember the anticipation of a race, gearing up for it, getting your, your, all this, well they call it togs here, but you're running shoes on and all your clobber, and then getting ready for that race, and then you get that call, athletes, come forward please, and you'd go, and you'd stand in front of your starting blocks, 
get ready, and you'd get ready in your blocks. Someone would walk past looking very officious, making sure your fingers weren't over the line. Get set! You'd be up on your haunches, and go, and that gun would go. And that exhilaration of running, I loved running. I still do, I just can't do it so well. Because I bust my leg. But I loved running. That exhilaration of running down that track. Everything else becomes a blur. You're straining for that line. People running next to you. And then that exhilaration of finishing. Well, it's a beautiful picture here for us of the Christian race. The Christian life. We're all in this race. It's a personal race. No one else can run your race for you. Think of the exams. Students studying for exams coming up again shortly. You can't study for the exams and then get your mother to go and write the exam for you. You've got to write that exam. We're involved in that race. Every single one of us. No one else can run the Christian race for you. You've got to do it. And it's a set race. You can't just do your own thing. We have to keep two specific rules. You can't just change lanes, cross before other people. and It's a set race for us. God has given us guidelines on how we to run this race. And I love it. It's a set race. It's, in, it's not out of control race. It's in His control. He sets the parameters of this race. And it's a painful race. You've got to do the preparation. You've got to do the... You've got to go through the pain of running that race. There are obstacles to overcome. It's an obstacle race. There are hurdles to be overcome in this life. But praise the Lord, the race will end. Yes, part of it is good and we enjoy it, but part of it I'd rather just forget. I can't wait to get through it. This race will end. And the Bible reminds us, and we'll see in this passage, that it's not a sprint, but a marathon. We're not, not in for the short distance. We're in for the long distance. How do we prepare ourselves for this race that we're involved in? You see, you don't have the option of sitting out and waiting till the whole race is over. We've got to participate. And I well remember my coach's ears, uh, words in, burning into my ears. The race is only over when you've crossed the line. There are so many believers who are sitting down on the track of life. You might be at that place too. We've got to run. The Lord has put us there. And so let's look at this passage, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's see what we can learn from this passage. Just a bit of the background on the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written by this unknown author, who we shall call Paul, who um, wrote this book to encourage believers. Specifically written to Hebrew believers, but also to the wider bunch of believers who would come. It's a letter to the Hebrews. And these believers were tempted to go back to Judaism to, because they were being persecuted for their faith by fellow Jews. They'd come from the Jewish faith, from Judaism, and they'd come to an insight that Christ is the one who is the Messiah. He is the one who gives life. They'd given their lives to Him. And now they were being persecuted from walking away from the culture of Judaism. And they're being persecuted for that faith. And if you know anything about life and times of, 
of Jews in that time. If you walked away from the culture and Judaism, life ended for you. No one would do business with you. They'd make as if you're dead. They're being persecuted for their faith. But this letter would go out to other believers too, who would shortly come under persecution for their faith. And it was there to help them to, and to encourage them to persevere. To see that Christ is supreme in every situation. It doesn't matter how big that situation is on you. Christ is bigger than that situation. And He is not just bigger than the situation. He's got the situation in His hands. He is supreme. And the grace that He gives, the encouragement that He gives, is all sufficient. When Christ encourages, it is enough. It can see you through any situation. And so that is what the book of Hebrews very shortly is about. And so if we look at verse 1, he starts off like this. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Now what's all these witnesses? If you go back a bit in the book of Hebrews, he speaks about the heroes of faith. Those who've come before this group of people that he's writing it to. All the heroes of the faith from Abraham, Moses. And he names quite a few of them. You can go back in chapter 11. Abel, Enoch, uh, Noah, I'm just quickly glancing through, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, those, those bricks in the foundation of the faith, those people who had come before, they had been faithful to the Lord and the Lord had been faithful to them. And so they were witnesses of the faith, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, those who have persevered before you, says the writer to the Hebrews, the patriarchs of the faith, the heroes of the faith. What's being emphasized here? The crowd? No. What's being emphasized here is their faith. The faith in Christ. The faith in Jesus Christ, the one who had gone before. And they were witnesses of what? And this is where some people misunderstand this passage. They say, well, I'm living life here and Grandpa who's come before me, he's now with the Lord. He's egging me on from the sidelines. He can see what I'm doing. Well, I'd like to see where they get that from in Scripture. Because the crowd spoken of here, this great cloud of witnesses, not speaking about those who've died and are looking down on us and, and kind of egging us on to go, 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 run, run. It's not, they haven't got us in mind. This great cloud of witnesses... They're witnesses of what? Of the faith of Jesus Christ. And they are standing there shouting, Jesus Christ is faithful. Persevere. He is the faithful one. They are witnesses about His faithfulness. Not about you. It's not about us. We're not the center of attention. They are witnesses that Christ is faithful. And they, they're saying, faith is worth it. Persevere. He will not let you down. So how are we to run this race with this cloud of witnesses witnessing about His faithfulness? Well, the first thing He says, and we're going to make it really practical here, He says, lay aside. That means take off, put it aside next to the track. You don't need the stuff. What is it? Scripture says. You see, you can't afford some hindrances in this race. We've got to run this race to the best of our abilities because there's such... Eternal consequences at stake. It's not just a light race. This is the race of life. You get one shot at this. 
And then we get, carry on living forever with the consequences of this life. And so you don't want things which will impede you and slow down your progress in this life because you've got to run this race. And so what must I lay aside? What must I take off me? He says, verse 1, lay off, lay aside every weight. The little word here is onkon. Any excessive physical weight. Now he's not just speaking about overweight. It's uncomfortable. It's part of it though. If you want to run the race as a believer, you've got to look after the body God has given you. And if you go and look at the stats of our population in New Zealand, we're all growing bigger by the day because of the good life. The Lord says, take charge of your body. I've given it to you. Don't run around with excess of weight. And you work through that yourself with the Lord. Paul speaks about that in other places in Scripture. But it's not just speaking about the, the word, the original word onkoni, is also speaking about a weight that you put onto yourself. A burdensome load. What is that? He says, lay aside the cares of the world. Lay aside all those things which will slow you down. You know, sometimes our worry list is longer than our prayer list. Yeah? He says, lay aside the worries of the world. Why would you hold on to the worries of the world? Jesus Christ is all sufficient. Give these things to Him. You can't run with baggage. I've just been to a whole race with baggage. Late for plane, you've got to run. Otherwise you miss it. Well, we're not supposed to run like that in life. He says, take off these excesses. You don't need these things so that you can run the race set before you. Take off the past. Why do you need the worries of the past and everything that the past has held in for you? The Lord has given you a fresh start. Give the past to Him. Some people are so weighed down by the past they can't get forward in the present. I hear that often. In our place at Braver House, we often have people who need, just need a place to stay for a night. And I'm not talking tourists. I'm talking about locals. Through the winds office. And some of them are so weighed down by the past, they can't get on with the present. The Lord says to you today, you don't need the baggage of the past. Give it to Him. Live the present for the future. Take off. Lay aside these things which... These weights which hold you down. There's a second thing you must lay aside. He says, lay aside the sin which entangles. The literal word is the sin which clings so closely like a leech. Isn't that the nature of sin? Man, you try to get rid of sin in your life. It clings to you like a leech. And when it pulls off, it takes some blood. It's painful. He says... Lay aside these things. How can we do that? I can't do that. The Lord has to cut that loose from me. The sin He has to take away from me. I can't forgive my own sin. I can come to the Lord. He must take it away. So lay aside the sin which entangles, the sin which clings so closely. It's like a rope around our legs. You try running with a rope around your legs. It doesn't work. You often see pictures of um, pollution in the ocean. And you see these poor sea turtles and they've got a fishing net covering them and they did. Well, that's a picture of what we look like in our sin. 
You're going to run the race of life with a fishing net of sin all over you. You're not going to last very long. You're going to get exhausted. He says, lay it aside. And then secondly, there's another verb here. He says, run. Lay aside these things now. Run. Man, some of us need to hear that message. Because we're really cruising through life. There's no running involved. No energy. I can't push through in anything. It's a dawdle. I'm cruising. I've got my fancy shoes on, not my running shoes. He says, run. Run with perseverance. There's the word. Hippomones. It's got nothing to do with hippos. Hypo means big. Run for the long distance. The big distance. Run with perseverance, the race. You see, it's not a sprint, it's a long distance marathon. Some of us start the Christian life with bang and fire. And we're overcome by all those emotions as, as they are. There should be emotions when we come to the Lord for the first time. There should be tears of repentance. There should be tears of gratefulness. But how sad that it lasts so short. And once the emotion's gone... The zest for life's gone and we start walking. He says, run with perseverance because you're ending up crawling and sitting next to the track. Chapter 3, verse 12 to 13 speaks about it in this way. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, that's what sin does to you. It slows you down and it makes you sit down. And you're no longer running that race. He says, get up, run with perseverance. It's not over. Run with perseverance the race that he set before us. I'm glad it's not just the race. It's the race that he set before us. You see, there's something there. It's not just a meaningless chance existence that we're thrown into in this life. There's more to it. There's a race that is set before us. It's speaking about control. Who's got control? Not me. Because sometimes I definitely don't have control over what happens to me. But who has control? God, the all-sufficient, the almighty one, He has control. And He has set a race before you and I. And it's a tailor-made race just for me. And so it doesn't help looking at the person next to you and saying, but how come I'm always going through the hard stuff? How come they never seem to be struggling? And we keep looking around. Have you ever looked around you if you're running in a race? I still remember my coach's words. You look ahead because the moment you look aside at those running, you start slowing down. Your concentration's gone. You see what happens so many times to us, we start looking around at the people around us, we start comparing ourselves about the way they're running the race, and the way they seem to have it easy, and we seem to have it hard, and immediately what happens? Discouragement sets in, and you start slowing down, and after a while you just go and sit down. Woe is me. It's a tailor-made race just for you. Every single one of us, God has determined what the race is that He set before us. And so don't look around you. Just look ahead of you. Christ is with you. He is the all-sufficient one. 
You see, Jesus, if we look at these verses, look, he says, Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We must look at the race that Jesus had to run if we want to be encouraged. How, how did he run his race? He was faithful from beginning to end. Yes, he was God, but he was also man. He was like us. And he had to endure so much more than you and I have to endure. He had to enjoy the hostility of sinners and then endure the agony of bearing our sin on the cross. You don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. We might have to wear, wear some relations coming back at us because we're believers. That's all. We might have to endure the mockery of colleagues who say, what, you're a believer? Who's still, who's still a Christian? Come on, get with the program. And in your race, it might also mean that you've got to endure pain, you've got to endure suffering, you've got to endure belittling and rejection by family and friends. But, he says, endure. Run the long distance, run. And then thirdly, there's another doing word here. He says, look. Look to Jesus. Don't look at the track. Look above the track to Jesus. Running with perseverance is only possible when you're looking not to the encouraging witnesses. You're not looking to your fellow contestants. You're not looking at the ultimate goal or the winning line. You're not even looking at the promised reward. But, he says, look to Christ alone. Then you will run the race. The word look here is the word afronontes, which is to deliberately look. But what does he mean by that? You see, it's the action of one who's aware of rival attractions, and so you deliberately don't look at them, but you look somewhere else. Don't look at the distractions, but deliberately look away from those things and focus on one only, and that is Jesus Christ. Focus on how you're walking before Him. Forget about the others around you. You know, in London, London's the first city, central London, where they've got padded lampposts. I saw pictures of these things. It's Google, it must be true. Why have they got padded lampposts? Yeah, this thing. Focus of one. Bang, I've done it. And so they've actually got Public health and safety, they've got padded lampposts now. Yeah, I want to put that to our council. But you see, it's because the focus isn't on what it should be. The focus isn't where I'm going, it's on focus of one, something else. And sometimes you and I, we're so focused on this in life, and I'm talking deliberately cell phones as well, and life in here, that we forget about life out here. And sometimes we're so distracted by what's happening here that we forget about our spiritual life out here. He says, look to Jesus Christ. Deliberately look away from these other things. Deliberately look at Jesus Christ. And if you look at any of these other things, and they might even be good things, it's going to distract you. You'll either be distracted or you're going to drop down with exhaustion because of... of trying to do things in your own energy. Look to Jesus Christ. He is the source of life. He is the one that you are aiming for. He is the one that's with you. Look to Christ. He's the, he's the one I'm to look to. 
Not only in those first moments of the race when, I, when I'm overcome by the emotions of becoming a believer, but I'm to look to Jesus Christ constantly through my whole Christian walk and struggle. Look to Christ. And know that He's always near. He's near when you feel that you haven't got another bit of energy left in this life. Christ is near when you haven't got any, any more energy. He's near when you feel overwhelmed and overcome by sickness. He's near when you go through the distresses of life. He's near when the tears are pouring down your face. Christ Jesus is near to you when you seem overcome by seemingly never-ending pain with your body. Jesus Christ is near when you go through the trials of many kinds. He's near when you go through the financial struggles, when you go through the difficulties of old age, when you struggle to find a job or even just a house to live in. Jesus Christ is near. Look to Him. Don't look at the track. Why? Here's a reason. It's in verse 2. Because He's the founder and the perfecter of my faith. Wow! Christ is the one who put me in this. In a good way. In a life-saving way. Why? Because when I was lost, when I was walking my own route, when I was dead in my sin, He found me. He turned me around to Himself. He put new life in me. He put a new song in my mouth. He put a new mission in my life. He gave me life itself. He gave me a future. And now He says, walk in that future. He's the founder of my faith. And that's why He's always near. He'll always be near me. Why? He's got a vested interest in me. He gave His life for me. He's near. He's the author of my faith. But that's not all. It doesn't end there. There's much more. Much, much more. He's the perfecter of my faith. He's the one that's rounding me off. And believe me, He's got a lot of rounding off to do. In all our lives, right? He's the perfecter. And He's not just going to make me look nice. He's going to make me perfect before Him. And when I'm compared to the Son, I'm going to be perfect like the Son is perfect. Have you thought about that? Because God can't take any unholiness before Him. He's going to make me perfectly perfect. And so it doesn't help looking to my moral integrity and purity, and that's important in the Christian life, because He's the one who will perfect my faith. I can't do anything about bringing my faith to completion. It doesn't help looking to my devoted service, even though that's really important to the Lord. I must look to Christ first, because He's the one that turns that service into something which is perfect before Him. I mustn't just look to my spiritual experiences. Even though, yes, they can be inspiring and exciting to me, He's the one who turns that excitement into maturity and into perfection. Christ is the one who's the perfecter of my faith. But that's not all. There's more. You ever bought any of those things where you get 55 things that you really didn't want? You just wanted the ladder. There's more here, and it's more in a good way. You see, if I fix my eyes on Jesus Christ, He is also the victorious one. He's the one who's seated on the right hand of the throne of God. And because He triumphed, I can triumph. Because He finished the race, I can finish the race. He says, follow me. I've been there, done that. You come with me. I'll give you the t-shirt. 
Walk the walk. Christ has finished. I can also finish. Why? Because it's not just me watching Christ there. Christ is with me every single step of the way, helping me to finish that race. He will perfect it and make me victorious with Him. Are you encouraged? Come on, Baptists. So what do we do with this? Very shortly, I'll try and make it practical. Lay aside the weights of the world. Okay? We've described it. But now it's the doing bit. How do we go and do that? I go before the Lord and I ask Him, Lord, show me in my life, where are those things which are weighing me down? Where are the sins which entangle me, Lord? Cut them from me. Use the surgery of that knife of your Holy Spirit and cut those ropes from my legs. I need to run the race. Lord, take those things off my life that I keep worrying about. May I give them to you, Lord Jesus, and may I cast my care on Jesus Christ, the all-sufficient and the all-powerful one who can do something about my worries. What can you do about your worry anyway? You can just worry more. And then I need to run with perseverance. Don't give up. Don't go and sit on the side. On the days when you feel that you can't go on, go and see a brother or sister and get them to encourage you. Spend time in the Word. Look for the encouragement in His Word. Ask His Spirit to encourage your soul. But walk and run the race. Run with the strength of Jesus Christ in you. Look to Jesus. Don't get distracted by the world. Deliberately look to Jesus. Deliberately look away from things which will turn you aside from this race. Keep your focus on Him. Keep your focus on Him in your service to Him. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ in your interactions with that difficult customer. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ in that way that you witness to those around you, even your colleagues, in your business, in your home life, with your children. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ through those crises in life. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ in your marriage, in your work, in your driving. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ. Run the race set before you. And church, I want to give you this encouragement from, from God's Word. Run this race together. That's why we're a group of believers here. We're not just all getting in on our cell phones or on our TVs and just tuning into a service and kind of just seeing the service. We are here together. Run the race together. How do we do that? Chapter 3 verse 13 says, Exhort one another every day. It means picking up the phone. It means getting alongside each other. In my case, my mother. I had to get alongside my mum say, Mum, your short-term memory is not working. Now, here's a book. This becomes your short-term memory. Write down everything. Shopping list, write it down. Because she'd go to the shops and buy three of everything. Come home and there's three already at home. Get alongside. Endure the same conversation every three minutes. That's the reality of the walk. Christina, the black woman. It meant going to the bank, drawing money and... In our money, it converts 10 times in South Africa with a currency. And praise the Lord, someone up in government said the wrong thing and the rand plunged down. It went to 13 to the dollar, I think, and I quickly went and drew money. I am South African. <laughs> but it meant giving 
something which is valuable to yourself. It meant going to the shops, buying some stuff that you needed, nappies for her kids, milly meals so that she could make something to eat. Taking her in my car, going into another area where I wouldn't normally go and drive because it's not safe. Praying, Lord, just help me in this. Going to load her off with her child and say, Now, Christina, I will pray for you. You are my sister in Christ. That's what it means to get alongside each other. It means getting alongside each other in this church. It means getting alongside my brother who's struggling and saying, I'll pray for you and your wife, Clint. What can I do for you? Can I make meals? Can I take you somewhere? It means getting alongside each other in this church and living out these principles so that we can help each other run this race until Jesus Christ comes. I love this picture. You see, some of us are like this guy on the right and some of us are like this guy. But you know, those situations change in life. Sometimes I need the help. And someone has to get alongside me. And you know, I really want to urge you believers, I've seen this with a few people already, and it makes me a bit uncomfortable. When we're going through the hard times, what do we do? I don't want anyone to know. We clam up. We don't allow the graces of God to be given out to us through the believers in the church. You know what that is in the beginning? It's pride. We call it privacy. Allow believers to minister into your life. And it doesn't mean go and blab out every single little thing that's happening in your life. Oh, oh, oh woe is me. No. It's when you're going through hard stuff, go to someone you really know well and say, Dave, I really need prayer because I'm struggling with this. Get alongside me. That's how we run the race together as a church. That's why we're here. Look around you. These fine looking people are all athletes running the race. And we are there to help each other. And if you're here this morning and you still do not know Jesus Christ, then these promises aren't for you. Because my friend, you are running the race on your own and you've got a different coach. And he's very self-absorbed. He wants to bring you the maximum damage he can. He does not want any good for you. He wants you to lose. I plead with you, look to Jesus Christ. Give your life to Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can take you through into eternity. No one else can. He's the only one who can help you to walk this walk and to run this race. And come out the other side. Look to Jesus Christ. Give your life to Him. Entrust your life to Him. doesn't matter what the circumstances are. He is bigger than those circumstances. He holds you. He holds your circumstances. But come to Him. <clears throat> I found this beautiful... Hang on, I just need something. I'm nearly done. I found this beautiful song. I'm not going to sing it to you, so don't worry. I haven't even got the music for it, but I found the lyrics for it and the story to it. This song was written by a coach. He was an athletics coach in America, written to some high school students, his athletes that he had trained, 
He found out he had cancer. He found out he wasn't going to live long. And so he wrote them this song and they sang it at his funeral. Listen to the words. This is to his high school athletes, his students. You've got to be ready when it's time to start. Focus your mind. Stretch your soul. Train your heart. Listen to the wisdom of the ones who've gone before as you take your place. Set your pace. Know what you're running for. A lot of kids don't know what they're running for. And then, run. Run with all your might. Out of darkness into light, run the race that's set before you by God, who is always at your side, running with you stride for stride. He will take you to the finish line in His good time. Run. Keep your eyes steady. Fix them on the goal. Just stay the course. You can't change what you can't control. Following the crowd will get you caught up in the pack. So hold your head high. Pass them by. No reason to look back. Run. Your race may seem easy or it may be hard. More hurdles to clear. Hills to climb. The end seems so far. But faith in the promise will put you on the victory stand. Your crown's been won by God's own Son. Your crown has been won by God's own Son. The race is in His hands, so run. Scripture says it in this way to us. And I want us to read this together. You can just remain seated. And read with me. Listen to me, descendants of Jacob. All you who remain in Israel, I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Wow. Old Testament truth, man. Praise the Lord. Let's run that race, Lord Jesus. Help us to be able to say those words. As our lives draw to a close, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And that victory is now mine. Because of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as every single one of us goes through whatever there is for this week, because we don't know, May we run the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who is victoriously sitting at the right hand of the Father. And may we know that you are there with us, stride for stride, and you will take us through. May we run the race for the sake of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. We ask this in your precious name. Amen.